Welcome to the Watchers of the Skies program. I'm Carlos Campo, president here at Ashland University, and I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague, Dennis Montecruces. Dennis, good day. How are you? I'm great. You know, December is here. It's uh, a time, it's a little drippy outside, but it's not going to descend upon our spirits. We're a positive, <laughs> we're a positive duo here at Ashton, probably because we're joined by such talented young people, Will running the camera here, Ellie, Abby, we've got John in the back, and Michaela running the show. So we're grateful uh, for them and for the JDM department here. If you've not been to campus, now's the time to schedule your visit. Rain, snow, sleet, or hail, we, we will uh, give you a tour, and you'll be impressed, not just by the facilities, but by the people here, the culture that's set. And we're talking about culture in this episode, Dennis. You know, each of us, you know, have our own ideas about cancel culture. We both read an interesting article that said, is Hamas, is that something that should be on the table? What, what about, what should be canceled? Are there some things that we should never cancel? How much should we tolerate as a culture? I, I think we both thought it's a pretty interesting mm -hmm. topic. And of course, Hamas and Israel on everybody's uh, thoughts and minds in America, it feels like today. So let's dive into these thoughts, maybe beginning with that broader sense of what, what are the things that we should or shouldn't tolerate. And maybe I'll, I'll uh, give you a specific example that we both have strong opinions about, most people do, and, and it's about abortion, right? So here's, here's one of those areas where the Supreme Court has recently ruled, now states are leaning into it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a is this a necessary evil that we simply tolerate? Is this is something that should it be canceled? Where do we stand on this, and and how do we help our listeners and viewers understand this perspective a little bit better? Well, on, on abortion in particular, or well, I, I just mean, think more generally, maybe using right. abortion as an example of something that maybe right. we should tolerate. And, and, and it is a difficult difficult question. I mean, one yes. of the things that he points out, or one of the statements he makes early in the piece, is that. Abortion is, I think he says something like, as great an evil as there, there is in the United States. But nevertheless, he doesn't want to go so far as to say that something like uh, an, an equivalent to what John Brown did at Harper's Ferry right. in the case of slavery. So Brown famously was an abolitionist who killed a bunch of people. We're not um, doing in, it. Right, in support, of, in support of the abolition cause. Yes. And so while the author of the piece certainly holds to a kind of a, a strong pro-life view, clearly thinks that this is unacceptable. So um, if you're tolerating an evil of that magnitude, at least on, on his view, then, you know, what, what do you cancel, right? right. What, what are the appropriate cases for cancellation? What are, what aren't? Mm -hmm. And he kind of walks through several things to consider. You know, one of them is this idea of, is this someone's current opinion, which I thought was a pretty basic thing, but something that we should understand. You know, there were several cases that he brings up of the past, you know, people who were 15 or 16, you know, saying something, and then years later, even students, and I don't think I'd read that before, that students who had been accepted to Ivy League schools, including Harvard, were then rescinded, mm -hmm. their, their applications were rescinded, and there were, you know, more than a dozen school uh, students caught in that web, as it were, for something they tweeted, said, or, or put out some years before. Boy, that really does seem like an unfair injunction, right, for one. What are some of the other things that he says we should consider before we cancel someone or right. something? Yeah, so he gives a list of, I think it was around six yeah, different things. Yeah, I think there are six, uh-huh. And... Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So, I mean, I would even suggest to the readers, to, or the readers, the, the viewers, to, um, to kind of think, what would you, where would you draw the lines, right? What, what yes. seems to be an appropriate place? And we should even say what, what cancel culture even refers to. Good. Right? Well, you know, he, I think, offers a good definition. Here's what he says. He says, a person 
is canceled if he or she suffers concrete adverse consequences as a result of a politically controversial speech or expression. You know, I may take issue with the word political because, you know, some of these are controversial in ways that may not be political, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's for social mores or something along those lines. But I thought that was a pretty fair definition, right? This I, idea I'd say it's a first approximation okay. because, I mean, you might be unfriended by somebody. Sure. Right? But that's not that's really what's meant by cancellation. Sure. So it's, it's generally going to be something... Concrete, adverse consequences. Right. I mean, it would be something like, you lose know, you, you lose a job, right? You lose a job opportunity. Uh, some cases, something as extreme as being debanked. Oh, yeah, yes, happened. that's true. That's right, true. so where the bank just says, uh, sorry, right. your, your money's no longer good here. Mm -hmm. uh, so Certainly students, as we just referenced, right, not getting into a school. That's right. That's a pretty adverse consequence. Right, so it's not sure. just that you're no longer fit for some okay. certain circle, but, I mean, it's, it's much more concrete. I mean, it's going to have uh, a particular effect on, let's say, your, your career prospects, right. things of that sort. Chris Harrison, is he the, am I getting his name right? Right, right, the, uh, the, the host of The Bachelor. Yep. And, and it was strange. It was sort of like a meta-cancellation. Because there was uh, one of the contestants had, I forget what she did. Was it that she, oh, she, was it? She had no. liked a picture that had a Confederate flag that's in right, it. That's right, that's right. And, then right. She, there was, and uh, she was a Southern belle in some that's right. bell of the ball of event. It, exactly right. So she was criticized, and he said, well, you know, let's give her some grace. Yeah. And, well, not only was she not given grace, but he was no longer the host of the, of the show that he had been the host of for its whole long run. Long I mean, time. it's like, long I don't time. know, 10 years, whatever least, it was. I mean, at least, maybe 15. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, right, that's a pretty powerful example. Um, an example that I often refer to in, in discussions about this is uh, a fellow named Brendan Ike, mm -hmm. who founded Mozilla. Mm -hmm. So the, the company that makes Firefox, you might know it, them best from that, from that, that browser. And um, so he founded it, and in, I think it's 2008, when California had their, their ballot question about whether uh, marriage is between a man and a woman, which passed. So he had given a small amount of money to it, as a private citizen, not representing Firefox or, right. or Mozilla, um, his, his, the company he founded, there was never any statement that he engaged in any way in discrimination against gay, lesbian employees Ever. or anything of that sort. In fact, uh, there were employees who were, who were gays and lesbians who, who said, no, no, he, he was fine. I mean, he mentored me in certain cases. But nevertheless, when, it, when um, it, it was either found out or it was publicized that he had given money, and this was six years later, Right. That he had given money to this proposition, which yep. passed, which was the law, you know. And it passed by a majority of Californians. That's right. So they That's right. All been in California, canceled, exactly. Right? right. So, I mean, you know, I mean, that shows how far, how far the window has moved. Um, but nevertheless, he was forced out of his own company. Right. I, I remember one where a chef was talking about ingredients, and he said, don't be niggardly with the use of some ingredient. Right. Well, that word has no etymological right. connection to the n-word right. which i won't say but it was a scandinavian root he lost his job over it he wasn't the only person another person who used it in reference to pay in ireland in 1999 lost his job because he used that word that someone mistook as related to the n-word i mean these are the kinds of things dennis that see seem so far beyond the pale where right. come on let's let's dig in a little bit and understand what happened here so all right we've got a definition we've got some of our least favorite examples of cancellation right but let's circle back because what we're seeing is with this horrific war with israel and hamas in in the Middle East, we're seeing, you know, folks taking sides. And so, you know, law firms and others said, look at these pro-Palestinian people, things they're chanting and saying, you know what, you're never getting hired here. Right. Right. So we're, and then 
Huge applause from conservatives to say that's the right thing. We should be doing that. And then that's one of the things that led to this article where the author said, well, wait a minute. Let's, let's take a look and see. Is, are there some things where certainly, you know what, if you hold that opinion, sorry, uh, you're not going to ever work for me. As a matter of fact, he makes specific reference to the idea of if you are a firm and uh, even a law firm, mm -hmm. right, and uh, you're your clientele are Jewish people. Sure. And you, you're a lawyer who happens to have a pro-Palestinian view. Okay, what does that exactly mean? Right. Do you also support Hamas? Well, yeah. I'm sorry, you cannot work for us because this is an untenable position based upon the tenets of, of who we're about, of what we're about. Is that, was that your understanding as well? Right. So I, I think that's part of it. And again, we should emphasize that it's not let's say, being pro-Palestinian in the generic sense that no. you think that there should be a two-state solution exactly. or this kind of, you know, this or that answer to the question of how do Palestinians and, and Israelis get along and, and manage as, uh, you know, one or two different uh, polices. Yeah. But, um, but right, this was kind of in the wake of, of, of statements that would say things like, well, Israel was to blame for the massacre of the Israelis. Yes. Right, so not just saying, yeah, you know, we're for, we're for a two-state solution, or even that we think that there should be a Palestinian state and Israelis should be under the, that state yes. if they remain at all, mm -hmm. right? But rather it was justifying and, and even cheerleading the, um, the massacre, uh, thinking that, you know, and, and so, for instance, there was um, at least one of the student groups, I think this was George Washington's student group, I shouldn't say because I mean there were a bunch. I mean they they were among the groups, but I don't remember which one said this. But essentially that um, uh, anyone th that there are no civilians, properly speaking, in Israel. That they're right. all settlers. They're all guilty of colonialism, colonialism, right? And also because you know all all Jews or all Israelis, I should say, uh, have to serve in the military. So there's really no such thing as a civilian there. So they're yes. all they're all culpable. They're all guilty. And so yeah, it wasn't. Um, a massacre of innocence. Right. Now, those those kinds of examples, we remember this uh, teacher, he wasn't a professor at Stanford, who actually had called out, said, if you are, you're uh, an Israeli, uh, stand and be recognized. And he had them huddle in one part of the classroom right. and said, this is what Israel has done to Palestinians uh, in, in the disputed territory from the beginning. And I uh, was uh, proud of the provost and president for standing up and dismissing that person and saying, I'm sorry, that, mm -hmm. that is an untenable position. Yeah. You've been canceled. You're losing your position here at Stanford, although they said something very different about the war and whatnot. October 7th was different, according to this mm -hmm. uh, author. Now, why? What specifically does he say about Hamas's position that makes it one that is deserving of canceling? Well, so, I mean, you could say that it's, it's uh, you know, it doesn't fit in any of these things here, right? So it's not... Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a considered opinion, right? So let's go through his, his criteria sure. here, right? So these are the six questions he says we should ask before punishing someone for a statement uh, rather than just kind of, you know, trying to correct them and so on. So first, is it the person's current opinion? Second, is it a considered opinion as opposed to some offhanded yeah, thing off or a joke or yeah, something along right. those lines? Is it an adult opinion, right? So as opposed to yeah, the examples he gave where it's youngsters, mm -hmm. right, who said something stupid, you know, just with, with friends, and it sure. somehow got on the internet. Uh, is it a public opinion, right? So again, say things in private, right? right? Not necessarily the same. Um, is it a democratic opinion? So here, um, I, I think what he's getting at with this one is something along the lines of the Overton window. So mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with that expression, it's essentially saying, what's the range of, let's say, mainstream discourse in, in a society, mm -hmm. right? So 
going back to the abortion case, I mean, whichever view you like or dislike, both, let's say, standard pro-choice views and standard pro-life pro -life views are within that Overton window. Yes. But it would not be within the Overton window to, to go and say, you know, we should kill six-month-old babies. Right. Or that we should go and, and, and give the electric share to mothers who have had abortions. Right. Or right. doctors who are performing. Right, right. exactly. All of, all of that. Yeah. Yes. So that would be outside of the Overton window, right? And, and this window kind of changes over time. Yes. But... Um, Clearly what Hamas did, right, I mean, massacring innocent civilians is not within the Overton window. Yes, nothing could justify what was done that day. I'm reading right. from the article, of course. Nothing within the pale of democratic politics could excuse it. In order to take sides with what was done and to demand it's the sort of thing Israel must simply tolerate, one must reject the fundamental premise of a liberal democracy, that those we disagree with must be met with peaceable disagreement rather than the war of extermination. I mean, that's pretty well said. And... I know that some have justified October 7th, which is startling, mm -hmm. but some justify the bombing of abortion clinics, which is stunning. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that sort of thing where in a peaceable, peaceable democratic society, there are certain things that are beyond the pale. October 7th was that. So yeah. where do we go from here, Dennis? You know, help our listeners and viewers understand what happens to Hamas. Is it simply exterminated? Is there any place for Hamas or a parallel organization in a democratic society, in, in society at all? There shouldn't be, frankly. Right. Um, I mean, but that's, you know, my, my view. But, yeah, I mean, there's and, – and I think he makes – well, he has a, an, an article that he references that he wrote earlier. Yes. Um, something like – called something like Cancel the Counselors, right? And so that, I think, is kind of fundamental, right? This idea that we, we have free speech, we, yes. we value free speech – but we don't value it as an end in itself, right? I mean, the whole point there, is... There are limits. Right. Well, it's not, not just that there are limits, but there's a point to it. Why do we have it, right? right? So I would say that there are at least, you know, think about it, there are at least two, two reasons why we have free speech. One is that we're recognizing the dignity of the individual, mm -hmm. that it's, it's honoring that person as, as, a, as an agent, as a, as a rational human being, right? As someone who has, uh, you know, has, has a mind and will, and so... Uh, that's part of part of being a human being is that you have you have views and you can express them, and so we want to to, to give that opportunity, right? That that's right. again part of recognizing the dignity of that that person. The other reason is that you're you're pursuing truth, right? It's part of a communal project that we we have some degree of, of humility about our ideas. About even if we we're you know we're sure we're right, lots of people have been sure they're right throughout history. Sure. Um, so we had a speaker recently on uh, the topic of, of integralism and Catholicism. Yes. And one of the things that in principle can happen in integralism is that you can, you can punish heretics. You can direct the, the church, if the church is in charge, uh, can direct the state to punish heresy. Yes. Because the church felt so strongly about these beliefs. That's right, because, you know, it's, it's, it's so damaging. Yes, to their the future. View, right, to, to their future and to the future of society yeah. that we can, we can punish them. So, all right, I mean, that's... That's a, a very strong kind of view. And the question is, well, you know, how, how, where, where can we safely be sure? And where, where do we have to have some epistemic humility, humility about our beliefs? Right. And so that's the value of free speech is the idea that, you know, you've got a different view than I do. Sure. And so we can, we can reason together right. and, and try to figure out, well, what, what is the truth about mm -hmm. this? And maybe we're both wrong, but, but that's the, kind of the, the value of this. Now, the problem with a, a group like, Hamas or any any sort of radically illiberal group is that you don't get that right. So there's there's it, it's it's sort of the um, you know kind of like the endpoint of free speech where it kills itself. Right. Right. So we give them free speech, and if they sort of win politically, 
then nobody else gets free speech, right? We're, we're done. Mm -hmm. So if you think that they're perfectly correct, well, maybe you're, you're a fan, but for the rest of us who at least have some doubts, let's say, right. um, to put it mildly, that's, that's not a good thing. So do, do we let them, uh, you know, to what degree do we let them into the conversation? And, and again, this is not just a conversation. This is just killing people. Of course. So Well, and I think part of it, and this isn't a perfect parallel. I want to make sure that this is clear to our listeners and viewers. But in the Netherlands recently, you probably have read about, you know, the leader there stood up and said, here's the concern I have around militant uh, folks in our culture. And he was specifically talking about militant Muslims in the culture who said, you're allowing your view of the law to supersede our laws. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that cannot exist within our society. And he was being judged as being religiously intolerant because of that. And I think this is part of the dilemma that we're seeing, not just there, but in countries across the world. I'm not equating Hamas with that perfectly, but it's that right. whole idea of what is that inviolate right. underlying word, as it were. You know, for us, we'd say the Constitution, you know, at some level is that thing. There have been elements in the Constitution that uh, we have taken issue with over the years. But at some point, if we're going to structure society around laws, we have to abide by those laws. And so th this is part of what those issues are, and they're going to continue to arise. So here we are with just a few minutes left, Dennis. You know, we can't resolve these things overnight as much as we'd like. But I, I think our listeners are interested. And I'll, I'll put you on the spot, as I often do, and say, what, what is the next step? I don't think either of us believe that Hamas can continue to be a governing body for yeah. that region. So I think that's certainly off the table. But as you look into the future, is a two-state solution now off the table? Is it simply too early to have those discussions? Where, where does this end, and what are you looking at maybe five years from now in that region? What are your very quick thoughts about that? My, my very quick thoughts about yeah. that. So, all right, I mean, I think there's, again, at least three different issues. So there, there's Gaza, there's the West Bank, and then there's how many uh, states, right? right? So Gaza, yeah, I'm sure Hamas is going to be is going to be gone, and Israel's going to occupy that area indefinitely. I mean, if there's another solution, great, but that's, that's seems likely. to be like the most likely option right now. Um, the West Bank, I mean, as long as they keep having settlements there, that's just going to continue to be a problem. So unless at some point, I mean, they had settlements in, in, in Gaza at one point, and they just pulled them out. They did, yes. So, but there's something like 700,000, um, quote-unquote, settlers. I mean, of course, they, that's a disputed term. Of but course. I mean, um, but, but 700,000 Israeli Jews who were, who were in um, the West Bank. So that, you know, unless that's resolved, I mean, there's, there's no, no solution over there right. in the long term. And again, if there's no solution there, it's going to be hard to have, you know, a two-state solution as well. So that, I think, is like the... The, the linchpin. Right, that one's going to be really tough. Really I tough mean, to I, as far as Gaza goes, yeah, I, I do think Hamas is gone and yeah. Israel occupies it again. Well, and there we go. Ending on a note uh, that leads to lots of further questions. That's what we do here on the Watchers of the Skies program. We're so grateful that you were able to join us today. Please join us again. We're right here at Ashland University at the JDM Studios. We're the Watchers of the Skies, and we'll see you next time.